Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women thriving in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female carpenter as she interviews women around the country about the incredible variety of careers and financial opportunities for women in construction and the skilled trades. And now, your host, Camille Finan. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Today I have an incredible guest. I have Sarah Watlington, who is a furniture maker, and you guys might know her because she works at the Offerman Woodshop. She's actually the project manager of all their fine finishing work that they do there, and their their incredible furniture. So Sarah, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so can you kind of give us a little background of... You know, you've done some really incredible stuff. If anybody wants to go and look at your Instagram account, very, very fine work. And it takes a lot of years to get to that. So can you kind of tell us like your journey and your background and kind of how you came to be at the Offerman Woodshop and sort of, you know, what where that journey came from of becoming a, a fine finish furniture maker is what I'd say. Sure. The journey to where I'm at now actually started right out of high school. I went to school for interior design, which... I quickly realized wasn't my passion or something that would keep me engaged, but I got a lot of really useful skills out of it, like drafting AutoCAD and computer programs and like conceptualizing design. And then after design school, I kind of had two routes. It was like I was interested in architecture and then I was also thinking that I needed to just like go out into the world. So pretty much my two options were like go to architecture school, drop out and be a punk. And I actually, I chose the latter which was really cool because within that I was introduced to like this DIY culture, which is pretty much is just, if you want to figure out how to do something, you just do it. And I was around a lot of people who, you know, they wanted to start a band. They just start a band. It doesn't really matter if you play the instrument or not, you just kind of figure it out. And if you want to build a structure, you just figure it out. And so I got into building through that world and I would just kind of build anything anyone needed. I built shacks and tree houses and through carpentry and construction, I just kind of saw myself interested in finer and finer work. And I also liked the concept of being able to build not only the house, but everything in it. And through that route, I was really interested in furniture making. And it kind of seemed like the logical end. I liked the scale of it versus building whole structures. It's just you can really focus on the design of something small like a piece of furniture. I did that on my own for about five years. I just had a scrappy shop with friends where we just kind of learned as our shop evolved and the tools matured as we matured. And then I guess the big leap for me was in 2017, I decided to attend the Krenov School of Fine Woodworking up in Northern California. And that was really when I took my furniture making practice kind of to the next level. If anyone knows anything about that school, it gives you an incredible education and also an incredible community of woodworkers. And yeah, a lot of my life has kind of, as of now in the world of furniture, has kind of parlayed off of my experiences at the Krenov School. I live in Los Angeles and I am the project manager at Offerman Woodshop, which is really wonderful. It's run by Nick Offerman, who 
maybe a lot of people know through his acting career, but actually Nick is also a really wonderful person who deeply loves woodworking and is really supportive of his woodshop and has always intentionally made his woodshop a space for women to work. The project managers have almost always been women and he really uh, supports that. How did you decide on, I always think it's really interesting because I remember you know, my journey as a young girl being comfortable with tools because of my dad, but then that there's this middle period where you're like, yeah, but how do you make money at it, right? Like, how do you build a business or get into a company? Like, how do you get the training? And where do you find this? Like, I just remember there's like years of like, what's next, right? And I always find it interesting of like, hearing from people like, how did you know about the Krenov School? Or where did you you know, how did you know where to get that next little level of training? Because the Krenov is like at the top. But how did Mm -hmm. you sort of know that? And or how did you figure that little process out of like, what would have been the next big step for you? Well, I knew I wanted to attend a school and the Krenov school was a natural choice because it was in California where I'm located. And it's actually a really incredible program because it, it's still affordable because it was structured through the community college system. So do you mind telling us also, how much it is like roughly? So people that are listening? Yeah, I think for California residents, it's maybe only, oh gosh, I could get it wrong, but I think it's like a, only maybe $2,000 a year or something yeah. insane like that. That is very um, affordable for the level of skill you're getting. I didn't realize yeah. it was actually that affordable, to be honest. I assumed it was yeah. a lot more than that. No, you know, they were really smart when they set it up in the 80s because they set it up through the community colleges. So not only is it affordable like community college classes are, mm-hmm. but you can even apply for scholarships and fee waivers and things that you can get through the community college system. The hitch is that for California residents, it's really affordable. If you're coming from out of state, it's more along the lines of like private institutions. I think maybe it's a couple thousand dollars more a semester or something. Mm -hmm. But if you can get California residents, it's wildly affordable and really accessible in that sense. And so how did you originally sort of choose or decide to go to the Offerman Woodshop, um, which is kind of a very unique wood shop to work in, right? Like, did you just sort of know that, you know, because of Krenoff that you were really looking for a private space and you wanted to work for a smaller shop versus starting your own business? Sort of what was that process of why you chose that direction? Sure. Well, I moved to Los Angeles in 2016 and I had this really kind of chance meeting with the director of the Krenoff School, Laura Mays, who's someone that I, I draw a lot of inspiration from. And I just kind of approached her at a student show in San Francisco. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in coming to the Krenov School. I had read some of his books and knew that that was kind of the direction that I wanted to go with my woodworking practice. But I'm moving to Los Angeles right now, so sometime in the next couple of years. And she said, for some reason, because Laura's amazing, she was like, oh, you're moving to Los Angeles? I'll give you the contact of every woodworker I know in the Los Angeles area. I was like, wow, that's incredibly kind of you. Incredibly generous. (laughs) Incredibly generous. Uh, Yeah. And one of the one of the people was the person who was in my position that I'm in now. Back then, her name is Lee. And I emailed Lee and Lee brought me in for an interview. And I wanted woodshop experience. I didn't feel confident enough to make it on my own in any sense. But I tried really hard to get as much woodshop experience and that year meant a lot of sanding. I did a lot of sanding that year for a couple different wood shops. 
Offerman being one of them. And then, and then I decided to go to the Kronoff school. I got way better. I got much more confident in my skills. And when I came back, Offerman offered me the position that I have now, which is the project manager. So mm. it all, it worked out really well. And so yeah. what would you say kind of your, um, so you're the project manager for fine furniture. So kind of, can you tell us a little bit about like kind of what that entails and like how many pieces you're doing a year maybe, or, you know, like what that job is like? Sure. Inquiries come to Offerman. I have exchanges with the clients. They kind of give me a framework of what they're looking for. I develop the design for them. I develop the budget. And then once everything's agreed upon, I also build it. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the project, but, you know, anywhere from three weeks to a month and a half. It's a lot of really functional furniture, like dining tables and coffee tables. Occasionally there's extra fun, weird projects. Like last year, I got to do this really beautiful backgammon board for someone. I remember seeing that. That was incredible with like the inlays and stuff. That was really very intricate work. (laughs) Thank you. That was a really fun project. And the client was really wonderful. He actually had brought a backgammon board that his grandfather made when he was Mm. 14 years old. And he wanted the backgammon board like his grandfather made recreated. So that was a really special project. How many, how many hours do you think that actually took you just sort of off the top of your head? It took more than I thought it would. <laughs> Maybe like 80 hours of work. Wow. I mean, it's been a, it's been over a year now, so I don't remember yeah. exactly. But probably longer than that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all of the veneers I cut myself and all of the inlays and everything. Yeah. I really kind of let myself nerd, nerd out on that one because it was intricate and fun. Yeah, it was. It was very impressive. when I, I remember seeing that in the feed and I was like, wow, that's a ton of precision and just has to be done right every step of the way and just it's just turned out gorgeous i mean looks like a machine made that like literally it's in the sense of like the preciseness of it right like it's just really really well done um so so what do you like kind of the best about your job like what's the sense of maybe freedom or creativity or for me, like I loved being completely independent and in my work, like not having to be in an office and be able to move around a lot. And just so there's a lot of physicality of it that I really liked. But like, what do you you know, what do you really love about your job there and like what you kind of do, you know, each week? Oh, I think getting to work in a shop on commission furniture means that no day is ever the same. Mm-hmm. And there, I really enjoy projects that require a lot of problem solving. And it's fun when you share a shop with people who you really admire and appreciate, because then there's sort of this like collective genius mentality where mm-hmm. everyone kind of works together to figure things out. Lots um, of collaboration. and yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm definitely a really big wood nerd. I just the material of wood is romantic and wonderful and and always challenging and you know when you really start to understand wood and and how it functions and how you have to work with it and the different personalities of different types of wood you could just like continue to go deeper and deeper in your understanding of the material and it's so dynamic and every different species has different idiosyncrasies that you have to work with and it's kind of like an endless dive into just the material of wood which i really love and respect for the natural world that created it 
And then woodworking and furniture making, kind of like I mentioned before, is just the scale of it really works for me and the attention to design. And I really like functionality as a kind of as a container, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you have this purpose, it has uses, it has functions. And then within that, you can kind of explore different forms and shapes. And I would say I'm a math person. So there's a lot of math and problem solving and brain challenges, I guess, that I really like about woodworking. And then, yeah, like I said, this woodshop environment is ideally, and I'm really lucky that it is for me, really supportive and encouraging. And there's a lot of problem group problem solving and creativity. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm really lucky. So what would you say, <laughs> what's your favorite book about wood? <laughs> Let's just geek out about wood a little bit. Like if someone wants to learn more about, you know, this, the like you were saying, the romantic, just amazing personalities of wood, what would be something someone could purchase and sort of learn a little more about that? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go full romance, James Krenov, who is kind of the namesake of my school, does that pretty darn well. The Impractical Cabinet Maker is kind of his most famous book. And he definitely spends a lot of the book just waxing poetically about wood and about his really specific style of woodworking, which is in the title. It's slightly impractical because it's slow and meditative. And and then if you're really trying to get into woodworking and want to learn about maybe about tools, Chris Schwartz's The Anarchist Tool Chest was an important book for me early on, just kind of learning about what tools you need. There's a ton of tools out there and how to use them. And you actually don't, I find that you don't need as many tools as exist. Obviously you can Mm-hmm. being really picky and specific about your tools. I'm super picky. So you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have five that are my absolute favorite. And uh, yeah. yeah, so no, I, I'm very, very picky about it. So, but being really good with them is the m- important thing. Definitely. What's your favorite? Give me your like top three wood species and the personality of each of them. Sure. I've got some California natives that I really love that maybe not people in other places can't relate to as much, but bay laurel is an endemic tree to California and it has this really beautiful golden tone and it's really stable and it's really iridescent. Mm. And, you know, if you're working it correctly, it will be very nice to you. And if you are not paying attention or your tools are dull, it will make you pay for it. But I kind of <laughs> like that about it. <laughs> um, She's got then, spunk. <laughs> yeah. Also California Madrone is a really special tree to me. I made my first project at the Krenov School out of it. It tools like butter, but mm. it's it grows really wild and the tree itself chases the sun so much so that it will like twist and bend and chase the light until it actually just falls over, which mm. I think is kind of poetic and beautiful. But that also means that the wood that you're working with has a lot of tension built into it. So you have to be careful working that wood that you understand the amount that it wants to move and it kind of never wants to stop moving. Hmm. Um, so you have to be really smart about the way that you build things out of Madrone because it's going to try and move more than other woods for the rest of its life. Hmm. Uh, yeah, as far as more common woods, I mean, walnut is a really forgiving wood. It stands really well. It shapes really well. 
in terms of workability, it's kind of it's pretty darn kind. So I really appreciate Walnut for that mm-hmm. as well. Well, that's one of my favorites. I like mahogany, yeah. but I wouldn't, but not for furniture. I just like, I just like it. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I like the tone or the color or the patterns or the grain or something about it, but I've done a lot of stuff out of walnut, not like what you're doing, but I, I've loved working with walnut. So, yeah, walnut's great. Uh, mahogany is wonderful. Also, it's funny. Wood trends are, you know, just like anything else, there's trends in wood. It seems like people are really excited about oak and lighter woods now mm-hmm. because of its kind of traditional aesthetic cherry is this really overlooked wood but i'm really excited when people get back into cherry because it's almost better to work than walnut so yeah well it has a very traditional connotation but cherry is a really wonderful wood and i feel like someday people are going to be back into it and it's going to be really fun (laughs) yeah i love building face frames and stuff out of cherry so and i I agree with you i love i mean i I like cherry i probably just kind of grew up (laughs) not liking it because of the dark red finish that I ripped out tons of kitchen cabinets that have it and it's just too dark for me in a kitchen setting, but I do love working with the wood itself. It's great. You know, like just route, just all, every part of it's easy to work with. So I agree. I love cherry and there's so many things you can do with it. Yeah. And we don't, we don't really get like, I don't get the kinds of species that you get where, you know, cause you're doing specialty woods, but I've done purple heart. I've done zebra um, wood. I really liked zebra wood. I did some cabinet doors out of that once. It was gorgeous, but very difficult wow. to work. Yeah. But other than that, like, I don't know, you know, how to build out of it. So, yeah, that's sure. really cool. Okay. So, I see kind of what you're doing with your full-time job, which obviously is clearly, a, you know, really awesome experience for you. Kind of what's Thanks. coming up in your future? What do you sort of see your, you know, the next couple of years like? What are you looking forward to? Well... My answer would have been very different if you had asked me two months ago. (laughs) Obviously, things are very different right now. Mm. I am excited to continue working at Offerman Woodshop. I have a lot of room to grow there, and it's a wonderful woodshop to have access to, to work on my own things on the side. I've been getting more excited about creating art and kind of more abstract sculpture and to give myself kind of the time and space to do that I I had plans to attend a couple different residencies this year I was really excited about the opportunity I applied for the it's called the Wingate residency at the Center for Art and Wood it's a two-month residency in Philadelphia over the summer and I was set to attend that this summer and that was going to be kind of my my deep dive away from functionality which has always been kind of the vessel that I work in And that was going to be really great. It will still happen someday, but obviously with coronavirus, everything is, everything's different. So yeah, in the coming years, I think balancing furniture and commissions with kind of my other artistic practices, I think I'll always work in the medium of wood because I love and understand it so much. I'm also really excited to work. I think casting metal is a really exciting thing. So maybe getting into more metal work, other kind of elemental materials, clay, yeah, so just kind of balancing furniture practice with art- artistic practice and trying to find ways to do that creatively. Furniture is how I'm able to support myself. And then sculpture is kind of what I'm interested in exploring. I don't expect to be able to support myself on that anytime soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just finding a balance between the two of them. Yeah, well, I love the combination of like just your knowledge of wood and like you're saying, the personalities of all these different kinds of woods and creating sculptures out of that I think would be very, very appealing and very interesting to watch. So 
Um, and I, I don't know that anybody's ever really talked about it that way. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it would be interesting to see like what you do with that to kind of push the edge of that. Um, so as we're kind of wrapping up here a little bit, we have some kind of fun things to ask. And But my normal one is like, what's your favorite tool? And like, what's kind of a specialty tool that we wouldn't necessarily know that you just really, really love? That's your all-time favorite. Mm-hmm. I think that my favorite tools are my wooden hand planes that I've made because, you know, that's the first thing they teach you at the Cornell School is how to make your own planes. And it's a really empowering experience to understand how to make your own tools. And then it's also they they require tuning and maintenance because they're made out of wood. Obviously, they don't stay a stable shape or flatness. Uh, But within that is you just kind of get this really deep understanding of the way that they work and when they're not working correctly and when they're working really well Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I have a a small fleet of them and they're all they're all my friends (laughs) (laughs) uh and then really specialty tools gosh what about a power tool that you use that you just is like you know not just maybe the rate you know just something that really really does the job well sure I'm actually really excited I I just acquired an XY machine, which is a horizontal boring machine, and it's used for cutting joinery. But what's really good about it is, you know, you can set the X and the Y axis. Mm-hmm. And within that, you can work with a lot. I really enjoy weird angles. Uh, getting outside of 90 mm-hmm. is really fun for me because it pr- presents more of a challenge. And with an XY machine, you can kind of disguise the limit in terms of you create wedges, you create jigs that hold the material kind of in any direction mm-hmm. and any, any number of angles you can. Yeah, you, I bet that's you, incredible for furniture making because you can really push the limit of things. Yeah, it provides a lot of freedom and it allows to join wood together in now, complex and interesting ways. Right. Now, you guys are making like all your own tenons and all that, correct? Like you're doing, like I would imagine you're doing most of that literally custom, right? Like you're not using a domino machine like I, we have a festival domino machine and we make tables out of it if we need to or you know like we attach cabinets together but you guys are probably literally making them yourself correct oh it depends i definitely use the domino i definitely appreciate the domino for its efficiency i i honestly use it when i can because it's incredible it does save a lot of time <laughs> it does such a good job i have my grievances with it too i think it has its limits and Oh, I'm curious to hear what are the limits from someone that really pushes it? Because I I mean, I push it, but not I'm not doing unusual angles like you are. I mean, so what would you say its limits are? I think its limits are in its settings. You know, there are only a certain number of depths that you can do and you can create shims to kind of play with that and change that. But like there are settings and within those settings, you can only do certain things. And again, there's kind of a way around all of those, but. I also think that I get better results with things like an XY machine as well. Maybe I just. Hmm. Well, it's probably just more precise. Or, I mean, well, the domino is really precise, but it's still a handheld tool, right? And maybe the XY machine's m- more precise. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, unless unless you kind of, there are some really interesting jigs that people make that prop the domino up that kind of takes the human factor out of it. But there mm-hmm. is a lot of human, there can be human error if you're holding it. Yeah. with your hands which often we do mm-hmm. so yeah i think there's some human error i think there are limits to the size and settings 
But as far as like speed, repeatability, all of those things, it's obviously it kind of makes having a shop possible in a lot of ways. Machines like that, that really cut down on time. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's incredibly better than the one I used with my dad, a biscuit joiner. It's like night and day. Biscuit, yeah. yeah, the old school one from like 40 years ago. There's no, it's just incredible. So, um, totally. yeah. Um, okay, so let's do some little like rapid fire stuff. And then um, we'll let you get on with your day and, and all of that. Now, are you guys back at work? Or are you still not working at the shop either? No, our shop is still closed until June. And then oh. we're working now on a on a kind of phase one for our shop, which is fewer, fewer people, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a couple commissions that I had to just walk away from at about 80% done. So I'm excited to get, get back in there and get those finished. Okay. All right. Yeah. So here's, here's our fun questions. Um, what's your, uh, what's your favorite thing to eat after work? Like <laughs> long day at the shop. What's your go-to <laughs> mine is wine and cheese, but what's yours? Uh, ice cream, <laughs> ice cream. Okay. Uh, it's what, hot <laughs> that's true. Uh, I think we kind of asked like, what's your tool that you can't live without? And I think you'd say probably your wooden hand planes, right? Sure. Um, okay. How about your favorite animal? <laughs> you seem like uh, an animal lover. That's why I was uh, wild. And I just love wild animals doing their wild animal thing. Yeah. Uh, l- less domesticated animals, uh, kind of owls are my spirit animal. I've hmm. seen them all throughout my life and kind of every venture and you know when they're alive it's a good omen when it, they're dead it's a bad omen so yeah. owls i really relate to uh i really love horses i love snakes i love hmm. bobcats i love yeah i could go on <laughs> <laughs> that's good um okay your most productive when in the morning Okay, so morning person. Okay. And, and when I have a deadline. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then uh-huh. the thing you're most proud of. Oh, yeah. I guess my woodworking practice, uh, just how hard I worked on it and how far it's come in the years that I've been at it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. that's a that's a perfect ending. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And we will just continue to follow your lovely journey on Instagram. Luckily, we can literally see everything you guys make, which is amazing. <laughs> if anybody wants inspiration on wood and what you can do, um, you know, we'll, we'll link to that. And, um, yeah, just thank you so much for, for being in the world and doing all the things that you do so well. Well, thanks, Camille. Yeah, thank you so much for interviewing me and taking the time. That was really fun. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up.
And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Mm-hmm.